Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venue Land, an EVMC podcast. Join us for this all-access pass backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live event industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to incredible guests who journey with us as we dive deep into the world of venues, tours, festivals, and everything in between. Grab your laminate and meet us in Venue Land. Today's adventure has us checking in with a man who, in addition to his role as accounting promoter rep for AEG Presents and Global Touring, also does some cool stuff with Snowball, Snow Globe Music Festivals, uh, even his time as a golf cart driver extraordinaire with Coachella and Stagecoach. Let's check in with our good buddy, Chris Meads. Chris, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me, gents. Hey, so, you know, let's let's talk first about that that title there, accounting promoter rep. What exactly does that mean? Yeah, so essentially um, part of our contracts whenever we get a tour deal with an artist is we promise to send out two reps on uh, every tour, size permitting, I guess I would say. Um, You know, if you're going into arenas, you want somebody there with AEG that's traveling along with you guys, uh, basically being a middleman between you and the buildings. Um, so we usually send out two reps on the road. Uh, one does production, um, and then the other one does accounting, ticketing. And the way we like to think of it is everything behind the stage, the production guy handles. Everything in front of the stage, the accounting guy handles. Um, so basically, my job is to make sure the house looks good. If it's sold out, I'm trying to add as many seats as possible. If we aren't selling so well, it's my job to make it look sold out, which never happens with us. So we never have to worry about that. Um, and, then at the end, <laughs> and then at the end of the night, I'm basically settling, making sure all the numbers add up. Everyone gets paid the right amount. I deal with the artist accounting rep. And then I also deal with the building uh, settler event manager um, just to make sure that all the uh, I's are dotted, T's are crossed. And then also just handling anything extra that comes up. You know, if trade shots want to be done with the building, I'm making sure that happens. If we don't have a VIP rep, usually I'm helping uh, advance that with the event manager. And then honestly, it's just making sure that the uh, the artists in their camp have a good time at the building, um, that they feel taken care of, all of their needs are met. And then also just to be, like I said, a liaison between the building and the artist team. The art, if the building needs something, I make sure that that happens. How many, you know, I'm sure every year is very different from the next, but I mean, are you, do you have like a general count of how many cities you're visiting? I know you're traveling a lot. So, you know, are you kind of bouncing around for nine months out of the year? What's it, what's it sort of look like to uh, be in your role? That's pretty accurate, about nine months or so. Uh, Coming right out of COVID in 2022, I think I was on the road for 250 days out of the year. And then this year's a little light. Uh, I'm hovering around 150, 175. Uh, so that's uh, still that's, a lot. That's still a lot. <laughs> and that's cumulative. That's being on a plane, traveling from city to city, right. not doing that many shows. Um, but yeah, probably, yeah, about. To anywhere between half to two, three quarters of the year, I'm on a bus or a plane or in a hotel room somewhere along those lines. I think a lot of venue people imagine themselves in this role. 
especially the younger uh, people who aren't as tied down and uh, are ready to, uh, you know, hit the road. And, and so let's talk for, you know, about about your job specifically. What, what do you love most about what you get to do? This is going to be the cheesiest answer, but it is the people. Uh, it's, it's getting to see, uh, old friends, uh, especially once you start going to the same building two or three times in a row and you start recognizing faces and seeing those folks, it's really great. It, it really does just change things, uh, when you can actually see the person, uh, and have a conversation with them, shake their hand, go through trials and tribulations with each other. That's just a certain bond that can't be broken. Even if you don't like each other, the fact that you did a 16 hour day with each other, there's a certain bond there that you just can't be broken. Um, and then also on the artist side too, you know, I just love being with the team, getting, you're, you're not part of the tour, but you're almost like extended family because you're traveling with these folks so much that you become part of their family and the, the bonds that are created. I mean, going on the road is like adult summer camp. Like we're just living a make-believe fantasy life but we're doing it together and um, you have certain memories that are just, you know, you can't be replaced. I love it. And then on the, on the flip side of that, what's, what's the biggest challenge with your job? What, what's hardest for you about being on the road and, and doing what you do? Lack of sleep. Definitely. Um, you know, again, you're just, you guys have done uh, show days, you know, where you're just exhausted. You hit, you hit the bed and you're just, you can't think after that. We're doing that about three or four times a day or a week. So it's that. And then it's just the lack of cohesiveness in the real world. Um, you know, when when you're just gone that long, you forget uh, like what it is to take the trash out or mow the lawn or go grocery shopping. I get I get anxiety when I go in a grocery store because I don't know where anything is. And I'm like meal planning for a week as I'm like, huh? Uh, oh, like I've thrown out so much food because I way overbought because I don't go grocery shopping anymore. So stuff like that is kind of tough, but it's fun. Uh. Could you describe, and I know it's a very large uh, company, but uh, AG Presents, right? So I think some people, if they're not as privy to that, they they hear AG, they hear AG Presents. There's a lot of different um, heads to that dragon, if you will, that are all kind of involved in venue side, promoter, um, a little of everything. You know, what? how would you describe your um, your area of that, if you will? Definitely. That is probably the first question I get whenever I'm talking with a booker or marketer or anyone at a building. It's like, so how does it all work? Um, and essentially, there's the AEG umbrella, and then we have different silos. Um, so we have our touring division, uh, Global Touring, which I'm a part of. We also have facilities, which doesn't really blend in with ASM as much. But, uh, you know, I'm, uh, for instance, I'm in Denver. We have the Bluebird, the Ogden, the Mission. Um, and then we have our local offices as well that falls under that. And that's overseen by Rick Mueller uh, and our team there. So we've got a Denver office. We have a Golden Voice in L.A. We have Bowery Presents in New York. We have Nashville. So they have their own agenda. And then we also have our sports teams uh, that, you know, the Kings and everything along those lines. And then specifically Global Touring, you know, deals more directly with the artist teams. Uh, so we cut exclusive deals with our acts and we basically promote their tours around the country. Um, and then we also have our boutique promoters, uh, Concerts West, who handles Roger Waters and Rolling Stones. And then we also have Messina Touring Group that does this little act called uh, Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran. 
Um, <laughs> and they're boutique promoters that kind of do what Global Touring does, but they are a much more refined, smaller team that just focuses on smaller acts. Whereas Global Touring, we're doing everything from clubs and theaters of 2,000 cap rooms all the way up to stadiums with uh, Luke Combs and Zach Bryan and things like that. Are you, from the tours you've gone out on, has it been a little bit of a mix of like, are you doing some like PACs and theaters or arenas? Are you sticking more on that arena kind of landscape or does it sort of ebb and flow? It ebbs and flows. So uh, the the touring team that we have, the actual reps that go out, I'd say there's probably about 20 of us or so between production and accounting. And really it's just a puzzle piece where they're trying to fit, okay, you're free from this time period, you're on this tour. You've got kids, so you need to be at home. We're going to send you on this weekend warrior country tour. So we're going to put you on that one. So really, it's just where the dominoes fall. Um, you're yeah. just playing a giant. It's like routing. You know, you're just playing a giant puzzle piece with all of our schedules. I mainly stick with arenas uh, just because that's my background. But just this last year, I did a, a branch of our John Mellencamp tour, which was all in theaters and performing arts centers. Mm -hmm. So that was really like my first uh, full blown tour where I was going from theater to theater, but I'm all over the place, you know, give me an amp, give me an arena, give me a club, just give me somewhere I can put my laptop up and I'm good to go. <laughs> As you, you know, get to travel and see all these different venues, what, what makes a good venue for the touring side? I mean, obviously one that sells tickets, number one, but <laughs> But from 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 your side of things, <laughs> number one, sell it out. Um, I was like, I I always have this mindset of just be a good host and we'll be good guests. I almost treat it as like you're going to a dinner party. Like just be gracious, be opening. You don't have to let me go into the master bedroom by any means. But if I ask to use the bathroom or something, let me know where it is. Don't just immediately say no. Um, there's a you know the best venues are the ones that are ready to. They don't have to say yes to everything I ask. But let me look into that. Let me find a way, um, a team that, you know, really wants to help and wants this to be a great show, a great day, a great night. We're going to be spending 18 hours hanging out with each other. Like, I just want y'all to be polite and help us out wherever need be. If the answer is no, it's fine. But how can we how can we solve this to where all the parties are happy? Um, I'm really looking for a staff and a team that uh, want to assist us in any way possible. That's probably number one for me. And then let's see. And then uh, mood lighting. Mood lighting is big. Uh, <laughs> harsh fluorescent lights just beaming down on me 24 seven. At, at least let me be able to turn it off and do my own thing. I think that would be the big one too. Yeah. I get, I'm that. Sure that, I get that is a big like thing, you know, where uh, I've never been on tours, but you do hear it is important to make it their own kind of space because you're on the road so much that you're kind of away from home. Like how do you create this home within a small locker room maybe sometimes or whatever right. the given situation is for that venue? Um, do you have anything that you do other than, you know, popping up the laptop? Are you, you know, bringing some Christmas lights to hang on the wall? Are you, you know, yep. putting up a tapestry? Are you putting slippers on? Like what's your, what kind of gets you in the moment, uh, when you're at the venue or are you just kind of there like, all right, I'm here for business. Give me the table laptop up, bang, 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 you know, uh, just recently this, actually this last year is really where I fine tuned my vibe. Uh, so I've got a couple tapestries, uh, a couple lights, a couple fake plants. Like I want to okay. make it homey. If, if you're spending 18 hours in this place, like I need like just 
a general vibe, candles and everything, which can be dangerous. Uh, Got to make sure you monitor all those candles. Don't light anything on fire. But yeah, uh, just this last year, I really honed in. I took a couple of pointers from our other reps and I was like, okay, I want that. I want that. I want that. And the only problem is when you make it too inviting. And then as you're trying to get work done, somebody from the tour is like, oh, this place is really nice. I think I'll just set up in here. Uh, meanwhile, I'm trying to call. I mean, exactly. <laughs> right, you know, exactly. so yeah. So, um, and then make it close to catering. That's probably the number one thing. <laughs> there, you so I, <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm sure that creates some stability too, where if you're using that same, like, you know, fake plants and tapestry and you're seeing it in every city, it kind of gives you this kind of comfort of like, I may be changing cities. I may be in a different room at maybe a different room size, but it's like, yep. it kind of gives you that home regardless, you know? My home away from home. I've I've been off the road now for about a month and a half, and I already missed my road case. I, I, I keep <laughs> thinking, what's what's in it? What did I leave in there? You know, I, I usually see it every month or something. So, yeah, I kind of miss it. You mentioned you know being involved with uh, you know some some artist presentations, and I wondered from from your side, from the from you know the touring side, what makes a good you know presentation? Because I know some folks almost too simple, and other folks make it a little more complex. We have a 14 point presentation that we want to do. Uh, so what's the kind of balance there for you? Um, yes, I've definitely seen your gifts are all lovely, but I've definitely seen some of the artists just immediately the minute the building leaves and they're like, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. Um, you know, I think the ones, if you, if you can tell when the building is done, a little bit of research on the act knows a few things about them. Um, it wasn't my tour, but one that comes off the top of my head was the Paycom Center. I think it was in Oklahoma City. Gave uh, Blake Shelton, I think it was uh, a chainsaw or something. Uh, you know, power tools, things like that that will actually get used. I've seen those have been the best ones. Um, oh, this is I, I think it was BOK Center in Tulsa. Gave Kane Brown's daughters uh, golf carts because they knew that Kane had started golfing. So they got these oh, little yeah. miniature golf carts that the girls drove around with them uh, for the That's rest of the fun. tour, which was fantastic. So, you know, when you can tell like, okay, you've done, you've asked a few questions, you've Googled a little bit, you know that this will mean something. Um, and then, you know, just present it. It doesn't need to be a full blown thing, production. you know, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. take it doesn't a photo, need to be production. <laughs> exactly. Hi, very nice to meet you. Thank you for playing. Like th those are the ones that mean the most. Just keep it simple. Um, Amen. I think, yeah, yeah, exactly. When we uh, talk about, you know, golf carts, we, we have to kind of take you over to your time uh, with uh, stagecoach and Coachella. Talk to me about being, <laughs> your golf cart driving experience there and, and some of the other duties you, you do with, with the big festival. Yeah. So um, I've been going to, I've been going to Coachella since I was 16. So that's really what got me into this whole thing, made me fall in love with this uh, industry in general. So the desert always is a special place for me. Uh, I used to just go for fun. Then once I started working at AEG full time in LA, uh, I switched over to artist liaison and helping out with the golf cart team, uh, which our good friend Derek Schaefer got me uh, introduced to first. Um, and Shani Lee Gordy handles all the artist relations at the festivals. She and her team are the best in the biz, no doubt about it. So I just tagged along and I got to drive a golf cart around for uh, eight hours out of the day, which is like having gold at Coachella. Everyone wants a golf cart ride. Uh, so it's been a blast. I bet. I bet. <laughs> the, the number one priority is getting the artist to the stage. Um, after that, you know, as soon as you can get, you know, Skrillex from the artist compound all the way over to, uh, 
the Sahara tent, you know, that's the number one priority. After that, you're kind of just picking people up and helping them out. Um, the best one was Desert Trip, um, which was, you know, uh, old Chella back in, I think it was 2017. Yeah, I think that was it. Checking um, the poster yeah, on the wall. I'm, I'm checking the poster on the wall right back there. Um, but there's only six acts. So you're not exactly driving them around all day, every day. So we just, you know, you're just picking old folks up and taking them and helping them out. There seems to be an art to the uh, golf cart labeling too. I always feel like there's this uh, very intricate way that Derek writes his name. There's glitter yes. sometimes involved. It's a it's a process. That's our team, uh, the Golden Voice team. Donna Bush, who uh, actually books uh, our venues in LA, uh, she has a whole team that does all the glitter and everything. So when we show up, our sign is waiting for us, and it's beautiful, it's majestic. The only problem is. Everyone that's walking by you as you're driving by with the golf cart knows your name. So they'll okay. go, hey, Chris, Chris, Chris and, pick me up in your huh? <laughs> and then you turn around and then they've caught you. And then you have to like come up with some excuse or or you have to give them a ride, something like that. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but but probably, I mean, the best story I have with that is uh, at, at Desert Trip, I was on standby to give the Rolling Stones a ride to the stage from their uh, dressing room. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, Mick's a big jerk and decided to walk himself. So I was sitting there ready oh, to give no. them all a ride. And they're like, let's walk. You know, it's only a football field length. So they went for it. Um, but I did get to pick up Roger Daltrey right after he came off stage. And he's, you oh, know, that's awesome. dripping sweat. He's got this badass robe on. Like, it, it couldn't have been cool. I'm like, this is really happening. Okay. Okay. You know, driving back. Nice to meet you. Have a good day. You know, that kind of thing. So. <laughs> Yeah. I love that. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned too that it sort of inspired you to join this industry. And you know, if we think we look back, I know you uh went to University of Colorado Boulder and you know, we're in marketing there. Is that been your path all along? Was it going to these concerts at 16 and you're like, this is the industry? Like, how do I get there? And here's the school that's gonna do it, or whatever school's gonna do it, but that's the end goal. And how did you sort of land on that? How did you get into going to concerts and sort of falling in love with that? Yeah. So born and raised in Colorado, uh, grew up about 15 minutes away from Red Rocks. Uh, I used to be able to get home in about eight minutes, but they closed off Dinosaur Ridge to pedestrians only. So now I got to go the long way, which is about 15 minutes. It's it's really tough. Um, yeah, rough. <laughs> rough stuff, I know. Um, but really, it started uh, with my uncle. Uh, my uncle is uh, John Meglin uh, with Concerts West and AEG. Um, so I was born into it, basically. Uh, I remember going backstage to Nine Inch Nails and David Bowie when I was like six or seven, and I had no clue what was going on. I'm extremely jealous of six and seven-year-old Chris Means. I, I was terrified. <laughs> like, I was like, these sounds are loud. What is going on in here? Why is everyone wearing pantyhose? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and you know, he he was uh he was out on the road doing the same thing that I'm doing right now. So whenever a show would roll through Denver, you know, my family and I would always go and visit. And through the years, you know, it was uh three dog night, and then it turned into Nine Inch Nails and David Bowie, and then all of a sudden he had the Britney Spears circus tour, which I was about 12 when that came out, so I was too cool for Britney. Um, but I remember <laughs> like seeing the show and being wow, this is amazing. But, you know, I had to keep the facade on. Um, sure. So he was lucky enough to let me come to Coachella when I was 16, uh, which was 2007, uh, Rage Against the Machine, Bjork, and Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I just remember 
and, and I remember going to like Gogo Bordello uh, in the uh, yeah. Sahara tent when it was tiny back then. And I can remember feeling the ground move during Rage. And I was like, this is cool. This is what I And that was, uh, I think, like Rage's return, right? Yes. Like they had been broken up. They had the whole Audio Slave thing. And that was like their first show back was that Coachella show, which was probably unbelievable. Unbelievable. I did not know the significance of it. Rage Against the Machine was just one of the songs on the Tony Hawk uh, Pro Skater soundtrack <laughs> for me. Right. <laughs> so uh, that whole festival was definitely a big eye opener to me of just like, whoa, there's so much more going on here, you know, and from a kid from Colorado going to LA to see the glitz and glam and the celebrities. Like, yeah. It was really neat. It was, it was, I, I mean, I still think about that weekend to this day. It's one of my favorite memories of all time. So yeah, did that, knew exactly what I wanted to do. Started going to a ton of concerts, you know, here in Denver. And then right after I graduated high school, uh, I asked if I could intern in our Denver office. So I uh, started there with Sarah Williams, you know, our great regional uh, marketer there, who is now over with WME in Nashville. Um, but yeah, I, I interned for them and just did whatever. Uh, I was the first high school intern really that had ever been there. Usually they were getting college kids. I was straight out of high school. Yeah. And uh, I knew I was going to see you Boulder and Don Strasberg, who's uh, the one of the presidents here in Denver, started this little venue in Boulder called the Fox Theater when he was in college there. So I was like, hey, can you know, I come work with you guys. He's like, sure, go talk to them. You know, so I moved into the dorms uh, like a couple of days before school started. Next day, I went to go interview for a marketing internship. And uh, the security uh, had a security happen to walk by and he's like, you look like you could take a punch. You want to work security tonight? And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> yes, sir, whatever you need. Um, so <laughs> I went in for an internship, ended up getting a job out of it. So uh, basically all of college, I was living at the Fox Theater. I tell people that was my fraternity. You know, I'd, I'd work two to three days as an intern and then uh, I'd work nights. You know, I'd probably do three or four nights a week. I'd be doing security, stumble back into the dorms, fall asleep, go to classes, do it all over again. Um, and that was basically freshman year of college was just working security, being a marketing intern, putting up posters and then getting a little bit of school uh, in as well. With all these internships, is it something that you felt like really transitioned you into the industry? You know, I think sometimes it's easy for people to get out of college and they're like, oh, I want marketing or Ooh, I like Taylor Swift. I'll go work at an arena. And then they kind of get in and they're like, whoa, this is a lot, you know? And, and sometimes it, that I always feel like that's kind of like the make or break moment, right. For young people when they jump in, then they're like either overwhelmed by it or they become obsessed with it. And they're like, this is what I have to work for the rest of my life. But how critical were those internships and kind of breaking that ice for you? Huge. I mean, because listen, we have we all have uh, on the outside, we have a sexy job. Everyone thinks that we're hanging out, partying backstage with the artists, uh, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, all that stuff. And, you know, it's not that it's far from the truth, but it is definitely a lot more work. I mean, like I said, yeah. I'm, I'm doing 18 hour days still. Uh, if you broke out our salaries on an hourly basis, like I don't even want to know that. Uh, right. But um, <laughs> I always tell people, uh, you got to love this. You have to be into this 100%. If you're not, just go do something else. Come to the concerts for fun if you want, but you're going to be so much happier and probably make way more money if you're doing a nine to five or working at another line of work versus the music industry, the entertainment industry. You really have to have a passion for this. 
because the stuff that you know you're asked to do or deal with it's it's huge so you really get it yeah. you really dip your toe in with the internships you really figure out you know what it means to be in a building for 12 hours a day um which is how i got my first job i you know i just hung out at the fox all the time so when our street team director left they're like we need somebody new and i just happened to be in the room and i raised my hand Half the jobs I've gotten literally were just because I was in the same room where the conversation was happening. And the only way you can do that is just putting in the man hours. There's just going to be a yeah. lot of like downtime where you're not doing anything. You're just kind of hanging out. But if you can be in the room when the decisions are happening, it's all it takes is just raising your hand and say, put me in coach. Like, and and again, that's how I've gotten half my job. So um, it's huge. And if if you're not feeling it, I've seen so many people say, I want to do this. And they do about two weeks and they're out, you know, just because, oh, this is way too much or, you know, something along those lines. So you have to love it. And I think the internships are a really great way to dip your toe into it, see if you like it. And you also get paid now. I didn't get paid when I was doing it, you know, right. my internships <laughs> right. were freebies uh, and I didn't yeah. even get college credit for it. So I was just doing it uh, for blood, sweat and tears. Well, I think it's also interesting, too, that you did this kind of street team stuff and the security stuff, because I think that clearly sets you up that in your current role, you now probably have this greater appreciation for that side of it. You have an understanding that maybe a lot of other people don't have. I mean, I, I do think even however you find your way into the industry, it's important to you know, shadow sometimes even like when you're in your first year, go shadow some people that are working concessions or working ticketing or something. That way you at least like have some concept of their daily struggle. That way yep. when you're going to them and saying, hey, I need help with this, you're understanding what that ask is, you know, and it kind of whether it's going to inconvenience them or not. But I think uh, you know, having that exposure to security is really unique. You know, I don't think a lot of people have that. And so I'm sure it really gave you a, a unique perspective, you know, that you carried with you. That was my, that was honestly my goal uh, in college working at the, it, it became the Fox Theater and then the Boulder Theater. Um, about my junior year, we merged the two companies. So I was working at both. And my goal was to work every single position possible just to have that take on see the bigger picture. Um, that's probably one of the biggest pieces of advice I give people is take your blinders off of your specific role and understand how oh, marketing, operations, production, security, concessions, how do all these fit into a big picture to make sure that the uh, patron has a great night? Yeah. And you've hit on this some. So you've been with AG Presents now for what, since 2013? Is that right? right 10 years. Right. Right out of yep, I know. I just ten year anniversary. Years. Happy anniversary! Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I've never felt older. Uh, yeah. So literally, right one, the, I graduated and then packed my stuff up and moved out to LA about three weeks after I graduated from college. So yeah, immediately went right out there and uh, started with the arena marketing coordinator position, um, which we know is when I worked with you guys most. Um, it was yeah. something that we had. We, you know, we had always tapped into and every marketer, whether it was from an AG tour or not, you guys would speak with Nicole Neal, Derek Schaefer, Amy Buck, any of our team. But as AEG started to grow, you know, they thought that that role needed its own specific position. So my job was basically to talk with you all, relay all of our information, make sure that the buildings were in the loop, make sure that you had all of those necessary assets, 
um, to make sure that, you know, our show was promoted uh, at your building. And then, you know, just anything else, ticket giveaways, social media campaigns, things like that. I would I would oversee that specifically with the buildings. And then, yeah, just be a liaison between AEG and, and the buildings again. And as you're coming in, obviously, we've we've hit on this a lot with many episodes, but 2020 happens, everything shuts down. I think we all know what happened, but <laughs> we don't need to belabor that year. But uh, but I do think an interesting part of that is you were involved with this Kane Brown tour that you know was one of the earlier tours, right? That came back in a, in a really cool way and kind of uh, showed that it can happen again and that it can be done safely and smart. And you know what was that experience like having had this gap, which we all had, and I think you probably did it and I did it and everyone did it where we're all posting our first like concert back. And it's like, it's been 700 days. It's been 400 days. It's been 300, you know, we're all counting the days and the hours until we get a live show. And what was that experience back kind of coming into that tour and sort of paving the path for other tours that would follow. And, you know, I'm sure it had its ups and downs and challenges, but also maybe was a good thing because it was kind of, you know, creating this path and this, positive sort of momentum for other artists to follow it was wild um so going way back uh uh, before the pandemic i was transitioning from the office life into the road life so 2019 i had shadowed some folks and maren morris dates some jojo siwa dates and then in 2020 uh, it was my first full-blown tour where i'm the one running the show i'm not shadowing anybody and that was jojo siwa we did one show in Colorado Springs <laughs> on March 11th, 2020, and everything shut down. We drove down to <laughs> Lubbock, uh, got everything packed up into the buses and said, we'll be back at it in six weeks. Clearly that didn't happen. So had about a year off. And then, you know, as we start rolling, ramping back up, it says, okay, we're doing Kane Brown or you're on the Kane Brown tour, which uh, was, you know, I, I I had known about their camp and everything, but this is my first time really diving in with them. And yeah, for the most part, we were the first or second or third show for a lot of these buildings right off the bat. Um, I believe we started we started in Sacramento, and then our second show was LA uh, at Crypto, which was just the most daunting thing uh, possible. Just to think about that, you know, what what are what are our COVID protocols? How are we going to have the chairman's lounge? Are people going to be hanging out backstage or are we completely shutting everything down? And just forgetting how to do a, the basics of a show. You know, oh, yeah. Let alone all the COVID protocols. We we got we all got a little rusty. No, 100%. Yeah, we were, uh, it literally is like, oh yeah, we got to do that too. Like, oh yeah, we have to have a security <laughs> meeting. Oh yeah, we have to set the barricade, <laughs> set the chairs. Oh yeah, there's a sound check coming on. And, you know, again, you're doing this all with masks. Are we supposed to be far away? Are we supposed to be close to each other? Do we need to be on the other side of the room? Dealing with all that. And then, yeah, and and half the people we ran into are new. You know, there was, yeah. there was a I great- right. The Great Recession, or I forget what it was called, but you know, a lot of industry folks that have been doing it forever and knew their the building like the back of their hands were gone. So you're dealing with green people who haven't done this before, don't know the questions to ask. It was challenging for sure, but I will say, getting on the bus at the end of the day and like those are some of the most rewarding days of my life because we were all in it together. And you know, I, I mentioned it's like adult summer camp. The the Kane Brown team that we were out with couldn't have been a better camp to be with, better team to be with. You know, we were all figuring it out together, but that was some of the funnest times of my life for sure. You know, you're you're on the road and you're 
you know, I, I've been you know, lucky to work a couple of, of the tours you've been on and, and, you know, we've met out at the uh, soundboard while a show's happening. How often during a show, when you're on a full big run, are you, you popping out and, and watching a little bit of the show? Uh, I'm always seeing the first three songs and even the lead up to it. You know, I'll check out the last song of the opener just to see how everything looks, uh, make sure that the house looks good for the artist. Uh, I then creepily follow the artist to the stage to make sure that they get on okay. <laughs> yeah. And the, the minute the minute the lights go down and the crowd goes wild, that's when I book it out either to the soundboard or side stage. And everyone's looking at the stage. I'm the looking the opposite way. I'm looking at the crowd to see if there's any gaps that need to be filled, any holes. Um, so I'm usually seeing the first three songs. And then unfortunately, when the show starts is usually the busiest time of my night. That's when the box office closes, expenses right. become final, everything needs to get added up. So, you know, I always tell people I've been to 60 plus Kane Brown shows. I only see the first three songs because I immediately <laughs> just have to go back. You know, those and songs then, very well. I do know, I know Grand very well. I know Short Skirt Weather really well. Uh, but if you ask me like, oh, did you see that part of the middle of the show? I'm like, what? You know, you're checking in and stuff, but I'm, I'm yeah. glued to my Excel spreadsheet. And then uh, if it's a great night, we settle everything uh, smoothly. I'm usually out there for the encore, uh, just making sure everything goes well and everyone has a good time. What can the venue do to help your settlement go smoothly? I always love a venue that gives me the expenses a couple of days before, uh, at least even a pre-settlement. Once you start going to the same ones over and over again, you know what the sheet looks like and you know the processes and how everything rolls. But if you can at least, if even if it just says TBD, 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 as long as I can see what that sheet looks like, that's huge. And then I can at least start, uh, I know what I'm looking for at the end of the night. Um, right. And then just clear communications, just, you know, hey, this happened or uh, we've got an issue here. Just constant communication, uh, I think, is the biggest one. And then, like I said before, just a willingness to work with us. And uh, if anything comes up that we can adapt and figure it out, I think that's the big one. In your role you're in now, looking back at when you started, uh, you know, 10 years ago or even further when you were an intern, what things do you think, I'm sure there's a lot you've learned along the way as we all do, but is there any big, you know, nuggets of advice that you would have given baby Chris as he was, you know, falling in <laughs> love with this industry at Coachella? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 don't sit back. Don't, don't be reactive, be proactive, go at it, go figure it out yourself. You're going to make mistakes. That's fine. I'm I'm never going to fault anyone for making a mistake. It's how you adapt and grow from that mistake. And hell, you might make it again. Lord knows I have. But don't be afraid to go out and put your hand up, put your first foot forward and just say, hey, I'm here. Let's try this out. Let's have, I have this idea. Let's do that. Um, and then just enjoy it. There's times when I can, there's definitely times where I'm just so exhausted and can be cranky and moody. Uh, no, not you, Chris. Not me. No, I know. Right. But uh, just enjoy it. You're doing exactly what you thought you would be doing. And you're 16 years old. You're living mm -hmm. your dream job. Like, enjoy it for what it is and be happy about that. I have to remind myself that occasionally. It's not often, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a good reminder that this is fun. This is supposed to be fun. What we do is fun. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think it that's one of the great things when any of us kind of bring friends or family to events, you sort of see it with fresh eyes through their eyes. And you're like, totally. oh, yeah, this is the industry I work in. Like, I'm pretty lucky to be able to, you know, through all the 
challenges and the long nights that of course have their own, you know, uh, uh, tough moments in your career, but it's like, at the end of the day, you're still doing what you love and, you know, it could be a lot, a lot worse. And so, you know, seeing these like glowing eyes of even the fans that you don't know, it's like, oh yeah, this is why I do what I do. My favorite part of every day still is when the house lights go down and the crowd roars. I like the music. I love listening to it, but it's hearing everyone around me get so excited for that. And, you know, I, I still do. Obviously we all love live music. I enjoy it a different way. Now, when I go to a show for fun, I'm looking at, I'm not looking at the act. I'm looking at everything around it. You're looking how to fill in holes in the house. You're I'm look, I'm 100 how what's capacity? You're like they could have done that? this better. <laughs> 60 is this 80? Um, but I love my first question. Like, if people want to go, is like, are you a fan? Do you want to see this act? Um, we just went and saw it, uh, an act at the Mission Ballroom. That was my first one since being off tour, and it was one of my friend's favorite acts. But just to take them to it and see their joy in it. That's what mm -hmm. made me happy, you know? So yeah, 100%. So when we talk about, you know, your future, how long do you see yourself being this road warrior? Is there something you're thinking of, you know, there's no end in sight because you're loving it or is there, there's something in, in the future? What's, what's next for you? Uh, it's definitely temporary. I love this. Uh, but as I'm approaching my mid thirties, it's getting a little bit tougher to do. Uh, I love the old road dogs that have been doing this since the 70s. I wish them the best. That's not for me. Um, <laughs> my goal, really, I, I want to go to every venue in the country, in the world, if possible. That's been my main goal about this, is to actually go into each building, meet the people, see what a day at the venue is like, and then bring that knowledge back to routing, operations, model building, things like that. Because it's easy to sit in LA and New York and say, okay, we're going to go from Denver to Salt Lake City. But until you've done that drive through the mountains in December and you know that there's snow, you hear about the complications, but until you've actually experienced it, uh, that's it. Just changes the your knowledge and your your vibe of the whole uh, building and the whole process. Um, and then just me meeting everyone again. I think it's so important to meet face to face, uh, especially in a post COVID world where everything's on Zoom or you know we don't have to send that person out because it's no longer needed. Uh, I still think you can gain so much from looking somebody in the eye, shaking their hand and working a day with them. I, I just think it changes the perspective on everything. Um, and then, yeah, I'd eventually like to come back to the office and get back into the operation side, the booking side of things. Um, but for the meantime, back to that you know, golf cart life, back to that golf cart. I think I, I think I've, uh, I think I've retired. If maybe if there's another desert trip, I'll go back. Um, uh, that one was fun. <laughs> you collect the rolling stones. You'll exactly. always be pulled back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but I'll, I'll take that. I want to take that knowledge back and then help AEG just become bigger and better because of that, that knowledge. Uh, that's, that's been the main goal, but for now, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep trucking along. Uh, 2024 is, uh, beyond busy. Uh, I'll be doing my first stadium dates full blown with Kane Brown. Uh, and then possibly my first time going international. Um, that is in Canada in December, which we did last year, which was a blast. Um, but yeah, I'll be going to Europe and potentially Australia and, uh, New Zealand next year. So wow. going across the pond now. That's awesome. I'm excited. So, you know, before we wrap things up, I, you know, we've talked so much about, you know, your, your, your time on the road and what you're doing there and, and your future, but we haven't really talked about 
home life for you? So on the days that you are home, what do you, or, or even when you're on the road, what do you like to do on the time uh, on your time off? How do you how do you find your your balance in life? Well, fine. So I, I I was living in LA basically from 2013 to uh, basically almost 10 years. I was I was in LA. Uh, just moved back to Colorado. With it being uh, with me being on the road so much, I'm like, why am I spending all this money to not live in Los Angeles? So move back here <laughs> where I've got family. They can watch my stuff while I'm gone, uh, which is a huge help. But recently, I am a golf convert, uh, so I'm that guy in his mid 30s trying to figure out how to get his swing to look somewhat decent. Uh, so I've recently become obsessed with that. It's a little bit tough with the snow, but I'm excited to get back into snow sports. You know, I, like I said, I haven't been living full time in Colorado uh, for 10 years, so I'm going to get the board waxed and go back up to the hills. Um, we also go snowmobiling, ice fishing. I'm, I'm doing all the winter stuff. Curling. Um, you know, curling. There we go. Yeah, I'll pick that one up. We actually we have dog sleds up here, which has been a blast. Like going dog, dog sleds. No, it's, it's a blast. No, that's awesome. I think it's so oh, cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fun. It, it, it's no, a blast. don't do it. Don't oh, do it. Poor, <laughs> poor doggies. Um, but when I'm on the road, my favorite thing to this day still is to find music from that city. Plug in my headphones. I turn off the Google Maps and I just go and get lost. I just walk uh, around Boston, New York, Chicago, Seattle, uh, Miami, wherever it is. Like that's my favorite thing to do is just put the headphones in and just walk around and stumble upon things. Um, and then if I've gone too far, I guess I'll Uber home. But you know, so. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Well, hey, before we wrap things up, let me hit you with our fast five. It's five quick questions. Just looking for your your short, instant response. Um, and and we'll start off with one we kind of touched on uh, a little bit, but uh, tell us. Do you remember your, your your very first concert? So I've been told that it was Lollapalooza when I was six months old, back when it was a touring wow. thing. There you go. <laughs> so that's, uh, it was, uh, I think it was- You were imprinted. Yes, I was at the Fiddler's Green. You know, when you see kids uh, and at concerts and you're like, those parents are awful. Those are mine. Um, <laughs> I, I, think, I don't think I had headphones probably. It was the 90s. Um, the first one I remember going to and asking to go to was NSYNC, maybe 1998, 1999 or something. I took Allie Siebert, the cutest girl in second grade. And uh, I've been told that literally the entire time we just did raise the roof. Like we just did this <laughs> dance for three hours. So <laughs> uh, I know you've done a million of them, but do you have, do you have one concert that sticks out as a, a favorite concert? I'm going to cheat and say Desert Trip. I know that's not like a full one, but just to see that was absolutely incredible. Uh, all six of those acts playing at the same time was fantastic. And then a million Red Rock shows. You find yourself at home. You've overshopped for groceries. What's your favorite meal to cook for yourself? Ramen. It could be frozen pizza. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because I, I, like, I love cooking, but I never get to do it. Problem is I right, just that's why I thought, yeah. But not top ramen, like a legit uh, chasu. <laughs> I always forget what it said. It's but it's like a cold ramen with like green beans and cherry tomatoes and stuff. It's really good. But that's oh, like yeah. my my go to meal when I come back. Nice. What's a, a venue you haven't done a show in that's that's on your bucket list? Um, the O2. Still haven't gone to the O2 yet, so that's a big one for sure. Uh, which I I think we'll be doing uh, this next round. So hopefully I'll get to cross that one off. Fingers crossed for you. Last one. Um, there's the uh, what's the what's the theme song to your TV show? 
there's the Meads show, right? And cameras follow you around, document your life. What's the song that plays over the opening credits? This is so funny. So I just, you can look up your top songs played of all time on Spotify, not just the year wrapped, but you can look up what you've played the most right. of all time. So, and one that came up, which I love is Edwin Starr, uh, 25 Miles. Uh, he's the guy who does war. But yeah. It's this funky soul song. He's talking about how he's 25 miles from home. He's almost there. His lady's waiting for him. So it's like, just, just hang on. I'm almost home. So I think that one's pretty appropriate. And I play a lot of funk and soul when I'm in the office uh, at building. So I like that one. Love it. Hey, uh, before we let you go, give out any, uh, any plugs you want to give where people can find you all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, pretty basic at Chris Meads. Uh, <laughs> no frills on that one. Um, and then I guess I'll plug AEG Presents uh, Global Touring. We have a fantastic team, uh, best in the biz. Um, so follow us there and check out what we got coming your way. Hey, I know you're a busy man, and we appreciate you taking some time here with us today. Uh, great hearing uh, about your adventures and kind of your, your life on the road right now. I appreciate that. Thank you guys so much. It's, it's been a blast. And uh, yeah, thank you again. And a big thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of Adventures in Venue Land. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We love your five-star reviews so you can help others find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. Thanks for listening, everyone. Adventures in Venueland is a side project of the Event and Venue Marketing Conference, a marketing conference that brings together diversified event and venue professionals to cultivate education, collaboration, and innovation for the growing sports and live entertainment industry. Find out more at eventvenuemarketing.com. Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner. Design and digital advertising by Megan Ebeck. Copywriting and publicity by Samantha Marker. Guest booking and brand strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker. Thanks for joining us. Until the next adventure. <laughs>